Welcome to the very first episode of the Business of Cyber. I'm your host, Joe Vink. On today's episode, we have Gabriel Friedlander. Gabriel is the founder of Wiser, an organization with the mission to provide free security awareness training for everybody. Uh, to date, they've partnered with over 3,000 organizations to offer free, simple, educational, and entertaining training content. If you haven't already seen it, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, their online content is great and, like I said, actually pretty entertaining. Before starting Wiser, Gabriel was a co-founder at Observe IT, an insider threat management platform, which sold the Proofpoint last year for about $225 million. Uh, before we get into the episode today, uh, we have an offer for our listeners to receive each book discussed in the first 10 episodes of the Business of Cyber show. All you need to do is at the end of the episode, leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify podcasts, wherever you listen to the show, uh, and then send a message to me with your username. You can find me on LinkedIn at Joe Vink, uh, email at joe at thebusinessofcyber.com, or on Instagram at thebusinessofcyber. All the links to all my profiles are in the show notes, and I'm going to announce the winner after the 10th episode. So that is uh, more than enough for me. Thanks for checking out The Business of Cyber, and now into our first episode. Well, the party is off to a good start. Gabriel, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Sure thing. Well, as a way of uh, kicking us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into cybersecurity? So uh, I'm originally from Israel. I moved to the U.S. about um, six, seven years ago as part of a company that I founded uh, about 14 years ago in Israel. It's called Observe It. Um, it's a company that dealt with insider threats. Before that, I was in. Uh, I was all, almost always an entrepreneur from you know from early age. Uh, that's most of my career. And I was dealing also with IT. So Observe It was about the idea became, began because I was troubleshooting. Um, I was helping to troubleshoot server issues and problems that my customers had. And I usually went and asked, okay, so who did what? And there was no clear answer. You know, the logs didn't really reveal what's going on. It just was usually error logs, but not like who did what. So the idea became, you know, let's put something on the server, sort of like a big brother where you can see what's going on. And eventually that evolved to a security product. You know, it started more for troubleshooting in the beginning, but it quickly evolved to a tool that helps to identify what remote vendors are doing, what internal people are doing, and it went uh, and expanded to desktops. Um, so that's really what sort of like led me into the security space mostly around um, human behavior because inside the thread is less about, you know, malware. It's more about people doing things that are either malicious or not. doesn't really matter, but put the business at risk. So I have a lot of experience about, you know, around this human behavior. Um, I sold the company recently to Proofpoint. Uh, and since then I've moved to create a new company, Wiser, which deals with security awareness, which is very much an evolution of, you know, from monitoring what people are doing and uh, trying to stop them to educating them how to avoid um, putting the business at risk. Yeah, I've sense. seen, 
Yeah, it does. I've, I've seen quite a few of the wiser videos and, and love them for their, um, I'll say simplicity in terms of how it is that they deliver mm-hmm. the message while also presenting it in a way that's frankly entertaining. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's an important balance to strike. Um, so but I guess before even getting into, into wiser and um, even just taking a step back to sort of mm-hmm. the experience you mentioned with observe it and then the subsequent um, mm-hmm. you know, acquisition with, uh, with proof point um, given uh, you know, observe it was focused on primarily insider threats. I'm curious sort of the experience that you've had in terms of um, communicating sort of the impact of insider threats with mm-hmm. sort of a broader business environment, understanding insider threats can yeah. have sort of the keys to the kingdom, right? How do you go about mm-hmm. sort of the uh, expressing the potential business impact of something like that? So actually it wasn't easy at all because like I said, I started it about 14 years ago and back then when I pitched, you know, insider threat, it was, something that received a lot of pushback. People understood the problem. There was no problem to explain that people inside the company may be a risk to the business, a big risk, but it was a culture thing. You know, like, yeah, we accept the risk because the risk of um, upsetting the employees is just higher. So it was very, very hard to communicate um, inside a threat as as something that needs to be addressed. so what we did back then in order to overcome that, um, that culture problem is we said, okay, instead of looking internally, let's start focusing on external vendors that are coming in and let's see what they're doing. And that's sort of how, you know, we penetrated that market by um, repositioning it a little bit as a remote vendor monitoring solution instead of an insider threat solution. Um, eventually people started to see that, you know, it wasn't, only the remote vendors that are causing the problem is also the people and it's sort of trickled into the business and as more regulations came in and more requirements for knowing what people are doing from a, from a regulation point of view that took off. So today I don't think there are a lot of businesses that are ashamed to talk about insider threat. Insider threat is much wider than just a tool than just, you know, uh, observe it. It's, if you look at inside the thread, it's like I said, a lot of them are related to um, just, I don't want, I wouldn't say negligent, but you know, uh, people that are not aware that they're putting the business at risk. And when you build an inside the threat program, which is something that I usually suggest, it helps to streamline the overall security posture in the organization because it helps to bridge the gap between, for example, HR and cybersecurity between legal and because you cannot investigate a person like you investigate a malware. You cannot have the sock, you know, look into the CFO's computer and figure out, oh, he's putting the business at risk, even though he may or she may put the business at risk. So you still have to balance that. And when you build in a holistic approach for managing uh, people inside the company and the risk that they may pose to the company, you get such a better overall security posture to the organization. Because remember, all of us cyber criminals are taking advantage of people. You know, they're phishing them and people may fall. May, people are also being recruited without even, you know, understanding that and they're putting the business at risk. So it's really, really helpful to have that program. Ab- ab- absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think we've all seen examples of very, very targeted sort of phishing mm-hmm. campaigns and insider campaigns that, uh, you can tell it's not sort of a spray and pray sort of tactic, right? It's very, yeah. very targeted, very, very researched. So 
Um, I mean, just to, to dig into that a little bit more, I mean, how do you advise uh, organizations sort of approach that balance in terms of the HR policies and the training that goes into sort of the, uh, the insider threat and the sort of the, the you know, people side of the problem while also using technology to yeah. uh, mitigate the risk there? How, how do you sort of strike that balance? So what I usually suggest is, you know, make it personal. And it's not only for insider threat, it's also for, you know, generic uh, cybersecurity. So first of all is like find windows of opportunities to talk to people. So the first one, which is probably the best one, is when they're hired. So the HR, you know, accepts that person. So beyond the regular HR policies, have them or have them, you know, being sent to the security team, but they have to go through some training as they're hired before, because they don't know a lot of people, you know, when they're hired and cyber criminals are scouting, you know, are looking in social media, looking for all those hashtags, you know, new hire, new job with those badges, you know, with pictures of badges. And they're, it's easier to fish someone that doesn't know their coworkers yet because they can pretend to be anyone. So, I think this is a really good, first of all, timing. Then let's talk about making it personal. When you make it personal, people listen more. So if you want to change behavior, then talk, to, talk about things that they can benefit from. For example, how to protect your social media accounts, your bank information, how not to get scammed online. Those are the things that if you teach, people will eventually apply at work because the techniques are the same if you think about it, right? Like falling for a job scam uh, is usually through either a phishing link on social media or an email. So it's the same techniques, just, you know, targeting personal people. So teach them how to avoid that. They will apply that at work. Um, Talking about insider threat, it's the same thing. You know, like what's the personal benefit of insider threat is that, People don't realize, but they can be recruited and, you know, people share on social media, different stuff and they can be abused, you know, like if it's, you know, drug or, or gambling debts or whatever, or even by mistake, you gave information and slowly you're being recruited because they have something on you and you keep on taking higher risks just to avoid being exposed. And eventually you're theirs. So you may end up at a point where you don't know even how to stop it like they can ruin your life. So understanding yeah. how to avoid being recruited without even knowing that and how a friend can help you is crucial for your personal life because you can easily get in trouble. It's like so easy and it happens like every day where people are being recruited without being you know, even aware of that and eventually they are aware of that and it's too late to go back because they already share too much information and um, they just, you know, go this rabbit hole. So make it personal. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I I think that's, that's great advice in terms of, um, you know, sharing just how in one's day-to-day life, whether they're posting on any of their social media accounts, like Facebook or Instagram Mm -hmm. or something, they could be exposing things that, like you said, it's, you know, starting the recruitment process. So uh, I think it's important to start advising early on and, you know, looking for opportunities as an employee gets started is is a great way to begin. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, sort of within, you know, employee base within an organization, would you tailor that towards um, maybe the executive staff or sort of key IT personnel who may have access to more sensitive information, or is that something you think is sort of fundamental for you know, every, every employee within the business? Well, first of all, it's fundamental for every employee, but I would, you know, the, the more attention you put into it, 
So if you target it to executives, look, it's hard to ask executives, unfortunately, and they're the most important ones because they have the biggest target on their back. They have the most access to information, the most influence in the company. So obviously, you know, cyber criminals are attacking them, but they usually are the busiest and they're not willing in many cases to play ball. So, yeah. but you still have to like train them. So you have to think about what are those specific um, attacks that are targeting executives and teach, you know, teach them more tailored. So I would definitely do that. And also for, for example, for the finance department, you know, we can talk about things like wire fraud for the HR department. We can talk about, you know, W2 scams. So it's better to um, obviously um, sort of like customize it based on department or people. Um, but at the basis, everyone has to do that. Like it's, yeah. it's a fundamental part of, you know, security. Sure. So as far as um, just to dig into, you know, that notion of communication and, and really the relationship with specifically the sort of executive team. Um, I'm curious, like when you reflect on your experience with Observe IT and then Proofpoint mm -hmm. and, and now with Wiser, um, what do you see as sort of the, the common um, uh, sort of common framework and common structure for a successful relationship between a security team and the business? So I think it's... Uh... So if you have an initiative like security awareness, then you have to market it. It's, it's not like you can force people to do, to do something and you can have great results in terms of KPI. Everyone passed the test, everyone. But did you really achieve the goal of like protecting your company? So do people care? Um, so you have to work hard to market it into the company at all levels, from the executives down to you know, all the employees basically. So find influencers, you know, sort of like think about like a marketer, like find influencers within the company that will take that message and trickle it into the business. Those influencers do not have to be managers. It's not by rank. It can be just people that people look up to, that people listen um, and, you know, gather them, train them, make them part of, you know, the solution. Don't, they're not just ambassadors. They're like helping to, they're helping you how to deliver the message internally. So people see that, you know, people you have maybe once a month a meeting or once a quarter with that group of influencers, then they go back and they talk with their teams and, you know, you bring some bagels. People always like to gather and people are like envious. Hey, what are you like? They got this role of an ambassador or whatever it is, but make it parts, you know, in order to help to change that behavior and culture, make everyone part of the solution. Don't be like up there trying to just preach everyone that it's important. Like, you know, have them be part of the solution. I think it's yeah. crucial. I love that. And having those ambassadors, as you put it, and, and just sort of allies throughout the whole organization. You have to. Yeah. And you you're not alone, you know, it's, it's, right. it's everyone together. Right. And I think those traits to look for, like the, the ability to mobilize and you know, they have influence internally. That's so important. Um, for an example, maybe other than like security awareness training, let, let's say, you know, a security team is, um, you know, requesting additional funding for a, a new control or a new investment mm -hmm. or additional headcount, whatever the example may mm -hmm. be, right? Um, how do you think a security team could embrace that same marketing strategy and, and maybe apply it to uh, some other new investment or, or new program? Sure. So, you know, I have this saying that security, uh, security in general are like car brakes and they are 
car brakes were invented for cars to go fast, not to go slow, right? Without yeah. brakes, everybody will go slow. So if you understand what the business needs, and that's fundamental, you know, you cannot be a security leader without understanding that you're part of a business and part of a bigger goal. Once you understand that, you understand the roadmap that the company is going, you need to ask for budget that will help the company grow without crashing. That's all it is. Like where we're heading, okay, the development, we have this new product coming out. So let's you know, create a secure environment so we can rapidly test things without being afraid. Maybe we can even help, you know, maybe we can, if we have the right security controls, we can, be, we can bring people from outside, we can share it with the community, like whatever it is, just be there to help obtain those goals that the company is trying to achieve. So instead of just talking about risk all day long, you know, oh, it's risky, this is, everything is, of course, everything is risky, but people will listen to you more when you're, again, part of that team of trying to uh, help to achieve the goals that the business is trying to achieve. So whatever it is, launching a new website, launching a new line of product, whatever it is, I'm here to help make this faster. We can open up, we can do stuff. If we have the budget to secure it, we can open communication even because we'll have the safety. So we have those, like I said, it's like either car brakes or giving your kid a helmet so they can try different tricks, you know, yeah. like that's <laughs> what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that analogy of the, the car brakes and, and also the, uh, you know, giving your, your kid a helmet to try new tricks. I think that's, that's a perfect analogy and, and description. Um, so sort of a hypothetical here. I mean, if, if, maybe you're part of a security team who has been, uh, who has the perception of being, um, let's say maybe too much pressure on the brakes, right. And, and more mm -hmm. uh, resisting the business than uh, providing the security mm -hmm. and the safety around it. Um, how, what would your approach be to help change that perception? Because it's difficult from a culture perspective. So I'm curious um, how you would advise and, and maybe recommend an organization start to chip away at that just perception issue. It goes back to, you know, the perception is, it first of all starts with you, right? Like if you're the security leader and the perception is that you're holding us back, then the, you know, first of all, understand that you have a problem, right? Like it's not security is a problem. It's like, it's not like, you know, this whole industry is like putting brakes. It's like, it's the way you approach it. So be curious about the business, try to understand, be empathy, you know, have empathy, be empathy towards the people that are trying to run the business, what they're trying to achieve. So it's really about learning the, it just goes back to this previous question, you know, learn the goals, communicate about how I can help versus, you know, being uh, the inhibitor, you know, you don't want to stop the business, you have to help them grow. So if the business thinks you're stopping them, you have to think, what am I doing wrong? It's, it's a communication problem because I have to talk business terms. You know, if we do this, we'll help to grow the business like this. Like not, there's so much risk and we have to stop it because we're, they're going to hack us and our reputation is going to be bad. And it's always about like, what will happen if, yeah. right? So change this conversation instead of like, we have to protect ourselves. So this won't happen. Like we want to grow fast and this is how we can help do that. So it's talk to the leadership and understand that you're, if, if this is, if this is an issue, you're part of the issue. <laughs> it's not like you're part of the issue. The business is trying to grow. The business is a business. You cannot just blame the business for not understanding you. Sure. Right? Like something has to do with you as well. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, what you just mentioned in terms of, uh, you know, allowing the business to do what a business does, right. And that's pursuit growth and, and pursuit, um, you know, value for their shareholders and, and various yeah. stakeholders. Um, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on sort of the balance between security and digital transformation. I know digital transformation is the, uh, you know, one of the top buzzwords of the last five years, and it's been accelerated by just what's going on in the world today with, with, uh, with COVID-19 and, of course, the various responses that all businesses have had to take with that. So I'm curious how you see the um, sort of acceleration of digital transformation and uh, the acknowledgement that, you know, it's, it's not going to stop anytime soon, right? How you see the balance between that and the, the need for improved security is sort of the, uh, you know, maybe improvement to the general relationships between a business team and the security team. So again, we have to adapt, right? Like the business will go wherever they want to go. Like the security cannot hold back the business. Otherwise, again, we have a problem, a fundamental problem. It just doesn't make sense if the business is holding back, if the security team is holding back the business to achieve its goals. So like whatever happening is happening. You know, people are working from home now. And if people are you know, they're bringing their devices or, or, and they need it to, for productivity. The question is, how do you, first of all, map what is being used right now and provide ways for the business to do it securely? That's all it is. So, you know, if people need to use their phone, then figure out how to do it securely. If people are using Slack and that's what they like to use, either give them a, a solution that doesn't introduce friction because you cannot introduce friction to the business all the time and hope for the best because people will work around your controls. People, many, many cases, and that's the problem with, you know, shadow IT and all of those other, that's what's causing the security problem because some of the security teams don't have empathy towards the users. They're putting all those controls in place and then the business is just working around those controls and people are saying, you know, okay, I cannot send that email because there's a 10 megabyte limit so I'm going to use Dropbox or I'm going to use Gmail, my personal email, and I'm going to use. So first of all, understand that you cannot introduce friction and you want to maybe create policies. So for example, if you're using Slack, um, train them how to use Slack, you know, don't show, don't share passwords over Slack. Don't, you know, but don't tell them don't use Slack unless you have a better solution that they, they accept. They have to accept it. You cannot just force something on them. So Again, it also everything ties back to understanding where the business is going, helping to support that growth and being mindful to, you know, to what people need and don't create too much friction. And you have to also calculate the risk. You know, you cannot reduce the risk to zero of everything because you're going to lock people, you know, you're going to have like, you'll need to do an air gap like environment where people. So it's about a balance. And you have to explain the business and you have to also accept some of the risk. You sure. know, that's, you cannot like totally say, Hey, we have to have like zero risk. It just, it's not realistic. Sure. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. Well, we just got a couple minutes left. So we're going to move into uh, what we call the rapid fire round. Basically I ask you one quick question and you give me whatever comes to mind right away. Okay. Sound good. I'll try that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what book are you reading right now? Okay, so uh, it's, uh, it's actually like a coffee table book. It's called uh, Fucking History. <laughs> I like it. It's uh, cool. Yeah, it's just cool things that happen in history in, uh, in layman words, you know, without uh, 
too much, very short like snippets. Yeah, I was going to ask what it's about, but I figured it was probably about a lot of history. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I love it. It's uh, it's very fun to read. Awesome. I'll add that to the list. So um, as you reflect on your uh, sort of career and ultimately what's, uh, you know, where you are today with, uh, with Wiser, um, what's the biggest challenge facing you right now? Um, that's a good question uh, because there are so many challenges and the reason that I love building businesses because I love to address challenges and I love this roller coaster ride. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm in a very competitive space. Security awareness is saturated and I'm about 10 years late to the game in terms of this market. So obviously this is a challenge, but it motivates me, you know, so I love growth hacking and I love figuring out how to do it differently than last time and adapting to the market. So for me, this is, you know, the, the challenge and I enjoy it. So it's, it's a good challenge. I call it. It's not something that, you know, I don't sleep. Like <laughs> I actually, I'm, I love it. So. Yeah, that's great. So last question, um, looking back, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Um, I'll give some advice to that is generic. I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch the you know entrepreneurship. Um, not not too much security, but I really advise people that are young, if they want to be entrepreneurs, start young because it's easier to take risks when you don't have a mortgage yet and you know and you don't need to buy diapers, um, and you're limited in resources. So the younger you start, I think the better it is because it's a journey that requires taking risks. And I think from a, you know, um, risk perspective, that's the best uh, time. Um, yeah, you know, there's so many advices that I can give myself. There's not, not one thing. Um, listen to yourself and you'll use your gut feeling because the gut feeling is a lot and don't do what people think you should do. You know, like a lot of people will give you advice on, you know, because this is how it's done. But if you feel differently, do it differently. You know, just don't, don't just follow the recommended advice just because that's how it used to be. Because you, you need to look not in the back, you know, not in the mirror. You want to look in the windshield, you know, you're looking forward. So a lot of the advice is based on, you know, previous experience, but the market is changing. So listen, but always make decisions based on, on what you think. Yeah. I love that. Well, Gabriel, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today. Great. What a great episode. Big thank you to uh, Gabriel for joining us. And uh, as we wrap up the first episode, um, you know, you'll see a wide range of guests on this show from business executives like Gabriel with sort of startup vendor experience to security leadership, which you'll see in the next uh, few episodes that have been uh, released with the first launch. So be sure to subscribe, be sure to tune into future episodes uh, of the Business of Cyber. And as I mentioned at the introduction of the episode, uh, we're offering a chance to win each book discussed in all 10 uh, of the first episodes of the show. 
even fucking history, like Gabriel mentioned, I've actually just started uh, digging into it. It's it's pretty funny. So uh, all you need to do is leave a review on whatever podcast player you use, and then shoot me a message on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email with your username so I can keep track. I'll announce the uh, winner at the end of the 10th episode.